So first of all, I want to thank David Solomon for taking care of this, and I want to thank all of you for coming. Um, tonight's shear is L'zeicher Nishmas, Moron HaChofetz Chaim, whose Yortzeit was two days ago, on Chof Daladel, Rabbi Yisrael Meir ben Aryeh Zev, Zeicher Tzadik V'Kodesh L'Vrocha. We all owe the Chofetz Chaim an unbelievable amount. It should be a schus for his Aliyah Neshama. And this is also L'Refu Shleim, the Skelena Rebbe, in Brooklyn, who's unfortunately very sick right now. So the story is told to the Chazanish that uh, one day he was sitting with somebody and a fly was like buzzing around. The Chazanish looks at the fly and he says, uh, tells the guy, he says, this is a Rosh Hashanah fly. Rosh Hashanah fly? Has anybody in this room ever heard of a Rosh Hashanah fly? I've heard a lot of things about Rosh Hashanah, never heard of a Rosh Hashanah fly. So what the Chazanish was teaching this person is, is that every single thing, as inconsequential as a fly, is determined on Rosh Hashanah. So do you remember this year, the time when you lost your car keys and you had like unbelievable tsar from it? You lost your car keys on Rosh Hashanah, right? But what happened is, is that you, on that particular day, that's when you actually physically lost them, but it was decided on Rosh Hashanah. So every single thing, whether it's good, whether it's medium, whether it's bad, whether it's a fly, is going to be determined in 72 hours from now. And as Jews, we always know there's got to be a chap somewhere. There's always a shortcut. Come on, there's always a way that we can figure out how to get around and, and, and do something a little bit easier. So I have something amazing to tell you, and that is tonight I am going to give you the shortcut to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the easy pass solution. So quite a few years ago, I ended up in a federal court in Brooklyn, New York, sitting at a very, very, very serious trial. A donor of Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation was, was on trial, and they asked me to write a letter to say what a wonderful person he was, which he was, and to come to the court case to show support. So I went, a number of other people went, you know, actually quite a few people went, and as we're sitting there in this court, I want to tell you that, you know, we talk about, uh, the, the, we talk about Rosh Hashanah, you're supposed to feel like you're going into court. Rabbi Waxman also had to do this once, and he told me all the talking about Rosh Hashanah as, as a court case, doesn't, it doesn't hold a candle to once walking into a real trial where somebody's on trial for sitting in jail for many years. So, so I'm sitting at the court case and to my shock, who walks in? The Novominska Rebbe. Can you imagine this guy is, needs somebody to speak of him and the Novominska Rebbe walks in the door. But you know what's really amazing? The Novominska Rebbe was sitting Shiva. He came in the middle of Shiva. He walked in with a torn frock and he walked in with sneakers. It was mind-blowing to see the, the, the Novominska Rebbe in this, in, this, in, this, in this courtroom. So the, the, the defense attorney says, the court would like to call Rabbi Yaakov Perlau to testify. And Rabbi Perlau walks up to the, and sits down in the witness stand and the defense attorney says to him, Rabbi Perlau, could you please tell the court the condition of your coat? He says, my coat is torn. Rabbi Perlau, could you please tell the court why your coat is torn? He says, my coat is torn because my wife died 
and I'm sitting shiva, and the, 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 the law, the Torah law is, is that we tear our court. So I don't mean disrespect to the court, but I'm sitting shiva, but I really felt I really had to come. So that's why the court is thrown. And then he went on and he gave his thing. Now imagine in that situation, if you were sitting there, you were the defending, you were watching this, you couldn't believe while he was sitting shiva, he came. And then suddenly the defense attorney says, I'd now like to call Judge John Smith, who's the judge in this case, to the witness stand. Like everybody would like, what's the precedent? Like this is crazy. This is, this is the judge himself. How can they, the judge can't testify. That's the whole thing of being a judge, right? But this judge, John Smith, stands up, takes off his you know, black robe, walks over, walks around, sits down comfortably in the witness stand, and the defense attorney says, Judge John Smith, do you know the defendant? He says, of course I know this defendant. He says, can you tell me a little about it? He's wonderful, he's fantastic. I know him for 30 years already. He says, really, well, why, why do you think he's here? Ah, it was such an accident, he didn't mean it, he didn't know, he comes up with a million different excuses, and like, but he's such a wonderful person and everybody is just blown away. Like, how could such a thing happen? How would you like that to happen to you, this Rosh Hashanah? How would you like the judge, the master of the world, to be called by your defense attorney and your defense attorney is going to say, Rabbi Yishlam, tell me, tell me about this fellow. And Rabbi Yishlam is going to say, oh. He's great, and you know, oh, I'm great. You know you're not so great. But the Rabbi Shalom is saying you're great. The Chafetz Chaim brings down the following. It's a medrash that the Rabbi Shalom says, from all tzores I could save you, and all you got to do is stay away from the whip of the tongue, stay away from Lashon Hara. Hashem says, I'm going to come to defend you. Can you imagine such a thing? This Rosh Hashanah, Hashem is going to come and defend you. So you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, okay, I get it. I get it, I get it. You know like when you were in high school and it was like the goody-goody, like the guy who like fell apart when he got like 99 on a test? You know that guy? I, I don't, I mean, I knew those type of people. I didn't associate with them, but I knew such people, right? So you'd think, okay, for sure, that's the guy that the Rabbi Hashem is going to come to defend, Right? So let me tell you, let me read to you a Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim in Maimer Kvayit Shemayim Perik Aleph says the following. There was once a king in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. His name was, was Yeruvim. Yeruvim was an evil king. He served Avodah Zarah and everybody served Avodah Zarah with him. And there was a Koyin, I think it was the Koyin Godel, Amatzia. Amatzia was nothing to write home about either. And there was one good person in the whole lot. His name was Amos. He was the Navi. So Amatzia comes to, uh, to Yeruvim and he says the following. He says, Kosher Alecha Amos. Amos is, not, is doing something bad. Sha'amr Becherev Yomus Yeruvim. Yeruvim is going to die by the sword. The Yisrael Gola Yiglam Yalamos and Klal Yisrael is going to perish. Treason. Amatzia is saying treason. That, that Amos is, is, is saying treason on, on Yeruvim. So what does Yeruvim say? He's not such a great guy. He's not one of those goody-goodies. What does he say? He says, 
Amos never said this. Ve'im Omar. But if he did say it, loimi piatzmoy Omar. He didn't say it by himself. Elimi piat Kodesh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu told him to say it. I'm not makabel the lashon hara. This is what Yerufim the Rosh has said. So what do you think? Like, what happened next? Chavetz Chaim tells us the Amar Hakadosh Baruch Hu when Yerufim wasn't makabel lashon hara. Hakadosh Baruch Hu said Hador Oivdei Avoy Dezorahein. The door is Oivet Avoyed Zorah. The Rosh Hador Oivet Avoyed Zorah. And the head of the generation is Oivet Avoyed Zorah. Ach Bavur Shaloi Kiba Lashen Hara. Because he didn't Makaba Lashen Hara. Lachain Oisana Irish Shaloi Kavish Yeshua Ben Nun. The cities that Yeshua Ben Nun didn't conquer. Emser Tachas Yadoi. I'm going to give to Yeravim. Now, come on. Is that fair? I mean, we're talking about, we're not talking about like, you know, we're talking about somebody who's Oivet Avoyed Zorah. And he's the king. It's, it's unbelievable. So what's the pshat? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I'm not like you're good. So the Chafetz Chaim explains. First he starts by giving all of us a piece of advice. And from this you can know. HaKodesh Baruch Hu is going to do the same thing for you. He's going to defend you. He's going to say, oh, you're not being Mechabalah On Rosh Hashanah, I'm not going to be Mechabalah on you. What's the pshat? So this is what the Chavetz Chaim says. Shakodesh Baruch Hu Shemukor Hatoiv Achesed. The Rebbeinu Shlom is the Mukor Achesed. He loves us like crazy. Ritzoynoi, it's his will. Lehetiv in Briyosef Bechol Gavni. He wants to do good for us no matter what. But what's the problem? The problem is he created a justice system, and the way how does a justice system work? It works by when you do a mitzvah, you get a pratlik, you get a defender, but you do an avera. Unfortunately, you get a kateger, you get a. a, a Prosecutor. He doesn't want the prosecutor to prosecute you. But what? He set up the world with justice. So if the prosecutor is allowed to prosecute, then the Rabbi Shalom, so to speak, is forced to listen to him. But he wasn't willing to be Kain hisnaga kodesh brochim and mida keneg and mida. The Rebbeinu Shlom did the same thing to him. Shaloi kibul alav. He did wasn't mekabel asher. Vechena dover is a noig b'chol adam. For each of us, we could each get this unbelievable opportunity. And how does he know this? Because it says in the Medrash, Omer HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mikol HaTzores HaBois Aleichem Aniyochel HaTzeleschem. From all the bad things that are going to happen, I'm going to save you. If you talk are careful, so the Shalom is going to take a sock, boom, put it right into the Sultan's mouth. It's not going to be Makachik. So let me just tell you one note, so you, in case you're thinking, okay, wow, like I don't have any shoe to do. Like this is great. It's fantastic. It's it's not. As good as that. It doesn't mean that you could do whatever you want and Hashem is going to say, hey, no problem. You know, like you stole, like you did this and you beat somebody up. Like, no, don't worry about it. No, that's not how it works. The way it works is, is that instead of being judged and based in Shomayla with defenders and prosecutors and a judicial system, you will not be judged by that. You know how you're going to be judged? You're going to be judged in the private chambers of the, of the judge, which is Hashem. And Hashem, right, 
is your father. And he doesn't have to follow any rules of, 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 of the court. He can do whatever he wants. And that's, that's like the easiest thing possible because we know that our fathers say, boo boo, I understand you had to steal the car. It was so shiny and red. Of course you wanted it. That's the kind of judgment that we could get. So the question is like, what's, what's the deal with this Lush and Hara thing? Like that the absence of it is turning the master of the universe into our defenders. So I want to give you a, a, a deep understanding tonight of, of what that is so that you get it. So Ruvin says to Shimon, I picked like a, a not Jewish name because in case somebody has a Jewish name and there's something saying bad, I didn't want to use a Jewish name. So Ruvain says to Shimon, he says, Ronaldo is a Ganif. So now let's think about Ronaldo and what he just said. So I'm going to give you a little quiz. What did, what did, what did Ruvain say? It's, it's a choice of three. Number one, he was praising Ronaldo by calling him a Ganif. Number two, he was giving a history class from 1812 about Ronaldo, somebody Ronaldo who was a Ganif, and you don't even know the person. Or number three, he was really angry at Ronaldo. Ronaldo probably was a Ganif, and he's probably and he's telling you Loshnar and he's really bashing him. Okay? You want to take the quiz? The answer, of course, is, is that he's saying something bad about Ronaldo. Now let's go to the second thing. Who is Ronaldo? Although Ronaldo Schwartz. Who is Ronaldo Schwartz? He's Bonimatem Lashem. He's one of Hashem's children. That's who he is. When you speak Lashem, we're talking about speaking about, about, about either a son or a daughter of Hashem. And what's the third thing you know about this conversation? Who heard it? Shibin heard it? And the master of the universe heard it because he hears every single word. So you know what Lashem Hara is? Lashem Hara is simply speaking bad about Hashem's children. Period. That's what Lashon Hara is. And that's really the common denominator of all the Lashon Hara you'll ever hear. It's about one of Hashem's children, it's bad, and Hashem heard. So how do you think Hashem feels? Not so good. So let me tell you, there are some people who have friends, and then there are some people who have best friends, and then there are some people who have best, best friends. Best, best friends are people that you're just welded to at the source of your neshama and you don't have to see them for 20 years and when you see them, like, it's like you just, you just started from, you just saw them like a, a day ago and you're so close to them and you love them, you're infatuated with them. And you know what happens when you meet the son or daughter of somebody who's your best, best friend? You give the son or daughter all of this stuff, all of that love because you're, you're my best, best friend's son. Oh my gosh, when you come into my house, you have a certain aura that you could do no wrong. Now imagine if one day your best, best friend has a son or a daughter and they come to your house, right? They come from a different city or something and they're staying by you and you call up your best, best friend and say, huh, you know, I got to tell you something. You know, I love you. But your son, he is such a loser, you can't imagine. He has two left feet, he can't do anything right. How long is that best, best friendship going to last? The depth of, of, of a relationship and the depth of, of, of Lashonar is as follows. That my child is me. If you speak bad about my child, you're speaking bad about me. If you want to love Hashem and you think you love Hashem, if you love Hashem, you got to love His children. And if you hate His children, you don't love Hashem. 
Imagine you had a rich uncle, and every month, the first of the month, this uncle wires into your account $10,000 just because you are you. And like every month, first of the month, $10,000. And, and, and he loves you so much that he, he, he says, you know what, let's say two or three times a year you have a chasna, and, uh, and, and he says, you know, let's meet at the chasna, let's go outside, we're going to go to the lobby, we're going to talk, I want to shmooze, I want to hear about your job and your shidduchim and your family and your, every, I want to hear about everything, because he loves you like crazy. Great. One time you say, you're going to meet at this chasna, yeah, we're going to meet in the lobby at 10 o'clock, and at 9.45 you're sitting at a table with all the relatives, right? And you're speaking about your uncle's son. And you're speaking terrible Lashon Hara. And as you're speaking this Lashon Hara, you're watching, like, you know, you're entertaining the people around you, and you start noticing that they start looking up a little bit behind you, and, like, they don't have such a happy, happy face on them. And you're, like, you start, like, first you see one, then you see two, then you see three, and then you see the whole table looking behind you. And slowly, slowly you turn around, and it's your uncle. And he heard every word you said about his son. And it's now five to ten. In five minutes from now, you have to meet him. How's that conversation going to go? Could you imagine all of us, every day of the year, and certainly on Rosh Hashanah, go to the master of the universe. <coughs> we need so many things. We need Shadduchim, we need Parnosa, we need health, we need Shalom Bayis, we need Nachas from our kids, we need everything, we're so needy. But we just finished speaking Lashon and bashing his children. That's why the Chafetz Chaim says, Mi shiyesh boi Lashon ain't filosoi nichneses lufnei HaKadosh Baruch if your mouth is speaking Lashonar and hatred towards Hashem's children, your tefillah is not going up to Shemayim. But imagine if the exact opposite story happened. Uncle tells you, rich uncle says, meet me at 10 o'clock in the lobby, and at a quarter to 10, you're sitting at the table, and somebody at that table says, oh, your son, he's such a loser. And you say, no, he's not. He's fantastic. He says, no, no, you don't know him. He says, I, you don't know him. I know him. I know him because of And you defend him and you say, he's fantastic. And then you turn around and your uncle is there. Because all of based in Shalmaila is based on Mida Kenegad Mida. If we defend our fellow Jews when they are being attacked from Lashon Hara, the Rabbi Shalom and the Malachim will defend us. And so the Rabbi Shalom gave us a promise. I'm going to want, I got your back. Going into Rosh Hashanah or whatever, during the whole year, I got your back, I'm going to do it. So now we got it. <laughs> we, I could stop right now. Easy pass. Chafetz Chaim, pretty, pretty reliable, right, reputable. He's telling us that the Rabbi Shem is going to come to defend us in three days from now if we don't speak Lashon Hara. But somehow, I would say that the people sitting in this room maybe and certainly anybody else who eventually is going to listen to this may be not so excited about my idea. Because maybe they're thinking, oh my gosh, stop speaking Lashon Hara. Like he's making it seem like it's like no big deal. It's a huge deal. How the heck do you stop speaking Lashon Hara? I can't stop speaking Lashon Hara. 
So I want to explain to you why Lashon Hara is so challenging. Rav Chaim Friedlander brings down an Arizal. The Arizal asks the following question. How is it possible that any of us do Averis? We have a Chelek El Kamimal inside of us. We have a piece of Hashem. I get it that the, 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 the Yetzirah is like he's powerful and he's a Malach, but he's not Hashem. The Arizal says, we have Hashem inside of us. Man de nofach nofach. Hashem blew himself into, into, into us, right? We literally are neshamas, are a piece of Hashem. We are so powerful. And this, this, this little two-bit Yetzirah is only a Malach. We should be able to blow him away. So if Chaim Friedlander says... Am I missing something? Blow the Yetzirah away? Like, the Yetzirah is pretty powerful. So he says, you know why we don't, why we have a kasha? Because we really don't get how powerful each of us is. We are so powerful, it's unbelievable if we would only realize it. But, the, but, but Rav Chaim Friedlander says as follows, and he brings down a whole bunch of raya, but I'm not gonna go through it because it's too long, and I'm just gonna give you the bottom line. He says, that the reason the Sahara could take on our neshama, which is Hashem, is because we invite the Sahara into ourselves and into our neshama. And once he's in, he wreaks havoc. And that's what, that's what Rav Chaim Friedlander said. So the question is, how do we do that with Lashon Hara? So let me tell you a story. There was once a boy, his name was Billy. Billy loved elephants. And one day he saw in the newspaper that the, that the circus was coming to town and they had these big elephants. He said, Dad, Dad, can you please take me to the circus? And Dad said, Billy, you've been such a good boy in school, I'm gonna take you to the circus. And Billy and Dad went to the circus and they're sitting there and they're watching these elephants. These elephants are so magnificent, they're huge. They're picking up with their trunks, they're picking up telephone poles and they're doing all these different things. Billy is beside himself. He says, Dad, Dad, can we go in the back? Can we go, can we go pat the elephant, please? He says, Billy, you've been so good in school. Let's go in the back. And they go into the back, and they, you know, they, they walk over to the trainer, and they're just standing there like, looking at this big elephant, this mag majestic elephant. And Billy notices that this elephant is tied with a little, little rope not a chain, like they didn't chain him down, a little rope to a little peg next to the elephant. He says, like this elephant just took a, picked up a telephone pole and you're holding him down with a rope? So he goes over to the trainer and he says, Mr. Trainer, like how do you keep the elephant with the rope? He says, that's a good question, Billy. I'll tell you how. He says, when this elephant was one day old, and two days old, and three days old, and 10 days old, that rope was enough to hold him. But you know what happened? He got bigger and bigger, but he never tested the rope. He knew that the rope was too powerful for him. So even though he could literally pull this whole tent down, he's that mighty, but he actually isn't mighty at all because he never pulls on the rope. What we have when it comes to Lashon Hara is we have self-limiting beliefs. The elephant can't tear the tiny rope because he doesn't try, and we can't beat Lashon Hara because we don't try. So the Chafetz Chaim says as follows, he says, how does the Yetzirah get us to speak Lashon Hara? We're from Yidin. 
<laughs> How does it work? So this is what he says. This is what the Yetzirah whispers into our ear. What's it going to get you if you're going to learn about Lashon Har and you're going to delve into it? Are you going to be able to get to the depth of it? The rest of your life? There's no way you're going to be able to do that. You, you, you couldn't even probably keep your mouth shut for one or two days. The Yetzirah pounds this idea into our minds. And so the Yetzirah brainwashes us that we're spineless je- jellyfish and we have no shot at being able to control ourselves. And I want you to know that I once a number of years ago did a survey and I asked from people over the period of the time I, I had spoken to 400 people and I asked them, do you feel that you could really go and not speak Lashon Hara for, I don't know, for a period of time or something like that? And out of 400 people, one person raise their hands. That's how amazing the Yetzirah is, how he's brainwashed us. But you want to know something? Why does he do it? Because he's brilliant. Because as long as he keeps us tied with this little rope called you can't do it, we're not going to try. And that's the, that's, that is the whole strategy of the, of the Yetzirah. So Rabbi Sai, it's simple. We're the elephant. And many, many people feel that really they can't control themselves. So I know it was like a nice idea you said, don't speak Lashon Hara, Hashem's going to protect you, but like that, that eight is not going to work for me. So let me tell you something. A bunch of years ago, I was flying down to Miami and uh, I, I, I flew, I, I, I booked my ticket, I think that morning. I get to the airport and, and, and you know, they give me the, this whole extensive security checking because I did it so close to, to getting the ticket. It's like such a drag, you know. Oh, it takes some time, questions, this, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Get on the plane, get to Miami. And when I fly back, right, when I fly back, I get the same treatment again. But this time, the guy's really one of these really nice guys. And he pulls me over to a separate area, and he says, what's your name? I said, Mr. Rothschild. He says, okay, Mr. Rothschild, we're going to take your suitcase from the floor. We're going to put it on the table. Is that all right? And I'm like, I'm going to kill you if you don't fix it. I got to make my plane. Like, I want to just get going. Don't ask me all these questions. Just check me out, and I got to be out of here. So I'm thinking, as I'm sitting there, and he's like slowly going through this and slowly going through that, I said to myself, okay, I know what I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him, you know, the bomb is not there. I, I checked my bomb in, I checked my bomb in my suitcase, and that's where you're going to find it. Now, what are the chances that my mouth on its own would just spit that out? What are the chances of that? Zero because I had to get back to New York. So there was no way that, that, was going to do it, that I was going to do it. Let me ask you the following question. You're going to a chasna and, and uh, your wife is taking a long time getting ready. Finally, she comes downstairs and you say, Honey, you look so ugly in that dress. How possible is it that we would say that? Impossible. You know why? Because we have amazing control of our mouth and we use it every single day when we talk to our boss, when we talk to employees or partners or spouses or children or neighbors. We're always controlling ourselves from th- things that we would be dying to say. But suddenly, oh, Lashon, oh, 
He's not thinking that I'm going to start seeing Lashar because that's impossible. Do you realize how brilliant the Yetzar is and what he's turned us into? So we have elephantitis. But you know what? The Chafetz Chaim is going to whisper into our ear. And this is what he's going to say. The Torah went to the bottom, bottom, bottom of a person. That every single from Yid has the complete power to be able to be careful not to speak Loshanari. The love hachi, because if it wouldn't be the case, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not, would not give us something that we can't do. So the Chavetz Chaim says, we could do it. We just have to believe that we could do it. And once we start, here's the, here's the upside. This is what the Chavetz Chaim says. Somebody who comes to purify himself, Hashem helps him. For sure. With a little bit of time, Yazrei is going to help this person who's going to say, "I'm going to control myself from seeing Lashonar." He's not even going to want it. Just like a person when he walks by McDonald's, the average from person doesn't say, "Oh my gosh, I'm dying for this thing." Why? Because it's not. Ugh. Treif, it's disgusting. That's what you could get to with Shmir Salosh and with Siata Dishmaya. So, but the problem is we don't believe it. I could be talking like a lot of words, but in the end we don't believe it. So my name is Michael Rothschild, and I have elephantitis. And what are we going to do? We got to prove it to ourselves. If you ask somebody, said, listen, ask anybody, said, listen, here, here's how we're going to, let's, tell me if you think you could do this. I'm going to take you for two hours. I'm going to sit you with six people. You haven't seen each other for a week. You're going to sit down, friends, relative, whatever it is, and you're going to talk for two hours. What's that post? What, ha what the rubs say? What did this person wear? What happened in the office? And you're going to go two hours without speaking one word of Lashonara. How many people would say that? Well, if you have elephantitis, you would say, are you crazy? There's no way I could speak for two hours. So I want to introduce you to something that is going to show you that you can control yourself. It's called Mahsom Lafi. Mahsom Lafi is where people take two hours to avoid speaking or listening to Lashonara to really focus on what they say. So here is obviously what people say about Mahsom Lafi. Woman's 10.45 in the morning and a woman calls her friend and she says, Oh, do I have something juicy to tell you? No! Call me back at 11. My Mahsom Lafi is over at 11. Can't talk now. That's what people think about Mahsom Lafi. But now I'm going to tell you a true story. There was a, a, a camp and in this camp was a counselor called Devora. Devora was older, and the girls in her bunk felt bad, so they decided they're going to do a Mahsam Lafi. So they, okay, it's a pretty, pretty new idea for them, but they decided they're going to do this Mahsam Lafi. So this girl will call this girl, I don't know, the first girl, Sarah. Sarah has her hours from 10 to 12 in the morning. At 11 o'clock, she's online to use the phone in the camp, and she hears the girl, this is a true story by the way, she hears the girl in front of her talking about a shidduch for Devorah with her brother. 
She says, oh my gosh. I mean, you have to be like a teenage girl to really be excited about this, because like, it's not so exciting for me. But for this, sorry, it was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go back and tell my best friend Chama. She's gonna go crazy that it's this, this girl's brother. They're gonna go out. But it's her Mahsam Lafi. And it's 11 o'clock. She's got to wait till 12. Oh my gosh. Okay, now it's 11.15. Okay, 45 minutes. 11.30, 12 o'clock. She runs over. God, I have to tell you something. You're going to go crazy from just stop. It's my Mahsam Lafi. My Mahsam Lafi starts at 12. She says, oh my gosh, I got to wait now till 2. But you know what happened between 12 and 2? She started thinking about it a little bit. She said, you know what? Like, what, what, what's going to be the benefit if I tell her? What's the upside? There is no upside. What's the downside? The downside is the will probably be embarrassed if somebody knows who she's going out with. People will get to be talking. And then when people get to be talking, you know that things sp can spiral out of control. Like, there's no good here. And 2 o'clock came. And she said, I'm not going to say anything. And Devorah did get engaged to that boy. Mahsam Lafi solves the following problem. That solves it in steps. It happens to be that the Vilna Goyen said that anybody who jumps too high is not going to be Zeichel to Siyat HaDashmaya because Torah is meant to be done in steps. Mahsam Lafi is a step. You know what step it is? Instead of blurting everything out of your mouth the second it comes to your brain and you don't think about it and you say it right away. Mahsam Lafi says, you know what? I am going to train myself to stop, to think, and say, hey, wait one second. Like, should I really be saying this? What's the upside of me saying it? And then what's the downside? That's one incredible benefit of training myself to think like that. But here's another tremendous benefit. And that is, is that I turn into a shomer. I'm a guard now. I'm, go I'm, I'm a different mitzias. I'm not, it's not just stum. I'm guarding myself, just like somebody has time management, I have word management, I have kedusha management, I have self-respect management, because I'm really thinking about what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And so I become a completely different person. So if you had to choose two hours that would be like the most amazing two hours of the week, that you could say, I'm going to do a machsam lefi, that would incre increase your chances of success and have a tremendous impact on you and your family, what would it be? So I'm gonna tell you that of all the men who are sitting here, I know that there's some people, whatever, some people are accountants and real estate and healthcare, whatever, right? But everybody has another job. We all sideline as a Rebbe. And we give shear twice a week. We give it Friday night and we get at the, at the Shabbos Suda, and we give it Shabbos morning. There are two curricula we get to choose from. Either we're teaching intolerance, arrogance, and looking for the bad in people, that's if we're speaking Lashon at our Shabbos table, or we're teaching compassion, understanding, and Dan Lekavs That's if we're careful with what we say. You know what Lashon really is? It's arrogance turned into sound waves. That's what it is. So here's a trick question. Which of those two curriculums will ensure that your children will be good spouses, good parents, good sons and daughters? I just heard the following story this Sunday night at a vort. There was a fellow in Shari Chesed 
a Haredi fellow, and he had a neighbor who went to Merkaz Rav Kook. He was a, a younger man there. And, 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 uh, and he had like great kids. They would walk to shul together. They'd be speaking. He would hear them singing Zmiris. Oh, Mamish fantastic kids. And he, he didn't have such great... You know, his, kids, his kids weren't like that. So he went to Rabbi Shleim Zalman. He, was, he, was, he said, Rebbe, tell me something. What, what, what's the deal? Why is this guy, why is his kid so good? And, 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 and why? Like, what did he do? So Rabbi Shleim Zalman said, what did he do? Kids are mazel. What do you want? He had a good mazel. You know, that's it. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, another couple of months, this guy is green with envy at, the, at what fantastic kids this guy is. He goes back to Rishlam Islam, he says, no, you got to tell me, Rebbe, what is it? He says, you know what? He says, you're, you're, he says it's just hakol toli b'mazel. He's not happy. Finally, he comes back a third time. And he says, Rebbe, you got to tell me, what is it? He says, you want to really know what it is? He says, I don't know what your Shabbos table is like, but if your Shabbos table is, is that when you and your kids sit down, your Mavaza Torah, you speak about Rosh Hashivas and, and Rebbes, and you speak about, about different things, and you find fault with these type of people, you know what happens? Bizoyen Torah brings Bizoyen Torah. That's what's really going on. When we're negative, and when we speak with our, in front of our kids, our kids are sitting in front row seats in a classroom. They're learning from our negativity or they're learning from being positive. They watch every move. Lashon Hara will drive their worldview. It will drive their ultimate happiness because people who focus on negative things are not exactly the happiest people around. But why does it work by the Shabbos table? So the first thing is, is it sets a tone for the meal. And I'm just going to show you here. This is, this is a card. It says, keep our Shabbos table beautiful by keeping it lush and hara free. And you put, this Shab you put this card on your Shabbos table, right? And it sets the tone for the meal. Like, we're, we're, we're not going to speak lush and hara. So there is a fantastic story I heard a million years ago about this Baal Shuvah at Eish Torah. When Eish first started... And he goes to like one of these Yungalite for Shabbos. And uh, the Yungaman starts speaking Lashon at the Shabbos table. So this Baal Shuva, who's like so fantastic, he says, Excuse me, excuse me, isn't that Lashon <laughs> It's like, oh, um, is Lashon No, because, uh, no, 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 Rabbi Pliskin told me that that would be considered Lashon Isn't that Lashon uh, like, the guy doesn't even know where to put himself. He's so mavuyish. He says, wait one second. And, and Rabbi Pliskin told me that, that, that Lashon Har is like, that, that is, is even worse than eating treif. You know what happens when you start your meal by telling everybody at the Shabbos table, we're not going to speak Lashon Har. You back yourself into the corner. You will look like a complete idiot if you start speaking Lashon Har. It forces you to be on a higher madrega. The other thing that people tell me is, is that it's amazing that it reminds you, because it's in the middle of the table, 
It's a visual reminder. The Chavetz Chaim said that people should make visual reminders because it mamish reminds you and everybody's working together as a group. So everybody's trying to do this thing and the way it works is that when you start by saying we accept without a vow we put in people's names for refuah shleimer or for a zivig or for a shidduch. So now we're doing something really meaningful as a family, as a team. And what does the Chavetz Chaim say when you do something as a team? The kol shekain, He's talking about this is from his Sefer Chavis Ashmir, where he says that you have to guard yourself from speaking Lashon Hara. Velachain. When you find a group of people, she is Hashem for the honor of Hashem to make offense, to watch it. They're not going to speak lashon hara. When sees somebody, a group of people doing this, he sees he sees a family doing this. How much nachas ruach it brings to him. And every mitzvah is going to bring us chus. This is the standard that we, our family, is at. That's what you're telling your children. And the result is that you go through two hours and you don't speak Lashonar. And at the end of the two hours, you say, Oh my gosh, I just went through two hours with a bunch of people and I didn't speak Lashonar. You know, maybe I could do it. And let me tell you what happens. I have a friend of mine from Brooklyn who's, who Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation does this thing called the Nine Days Masa Mufi in the nine, in the nine days, and um, this guy said, you know what? His wife was taking on for two hours a day, so he said, you know what? He said, if she's going to do it, I'm doing it with her. And he went for nine days and he did the Masa Mufi. You know what he said on the tenth day, the day after Tisha B'av? He said. I just lived on this higher level for nine days. You think I'm going to go back to that? I met him a year later and he was still doing it. Because when we take small steps, they turn into great siyadah deshmaya. So let me tell you how this works. You put this card on the table, you read the Kabbalah, which I just told you, and then you read the Tefillah. The Tefillah was written by the Chavetz Chaim to help everybody with Siyad HaDashmaya. And then you learn for three minutes. We have a newsletter every week that gets, comes to your inbox that you could print out or you could use one of the Svarim of the Chavetz Chaim. And this starts the meal. And anybody who, it's mechazic people to say, wait a second, we're not speaking Lashonar. Not like, oh, I'm embarrassed, somebody's saying something. It reminds people. But now there are going to be some people, Baruch Hashem, who are going to listen to this and say, are you crazy? Speak Lashonara at my Shabbos table? I don't speak, I never speak Lashonara at my Shabbos table. So this obviously isn't for you. It is for you. This Sunday night at this Vord, I met a very Choshev Arov who is extremely makbid on Shmir HaLoshan. And he told me, he says, you know what? My daughter goes to the break front every Friday afternoon. She puts it on the table. And I want you to know, I happen to know him and I know how choshed he is. He says, I want you to know we're makbed on Shmir Salashin. But you know what? Sometimes you mess up. We speak 40,000 words a, 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 a day, right? Sometimes you could mess up even somebody who's really, who's really makbed. 
But there's another reason why you should do it, and this comes from the Chofetz Chaim. He talks about, again, the Chavis Hashmira, even for somebody who's careful not to speak Loshanara. This is what he says. Because of the great habituation of a person to speak, he's going to end up speaking Loshanara, even if he's careful. Right? And then he says, he says, he says, um, whatever it is. And then he says, even if he doesn't speak Loshanar, but if he additionally is Mikabal to be the Chavis Hashmir, he's not going to come to speak Loshanar. Even if occasionally it'll happen, He's going to feel it on his tongue. And he's going to work on fixing it. So even if you don't speak about it, even if you don't speak Lashonara, this is an unbelievable Shmira. But now you're going to say to yourself, come on. I mean, isn't this childish? Well, we're, going to, we're not going to speak Lashonara for two hours? Like, who are you joking? You're not supposed to speak Lashonara the whole, the, whole, the whole day. So I'll tell you something that happened literally in this shul a number of years ago upstairs. Probably some of you know there was a young woman in this community who um, she, she had a massive stroke. I don't know, maybe she was like 35 years old. Terrible, terrible. And they were doing all different things in this shul, in the community. They were begging chalas, this, that, to heal them. They were doing everything. Baruch Hashem, she had a refuah shalema. So I was in shul upstairs and I was davening and her brother-in-law was there. So I said to her brother, I said, did, did you ever, th- I'm just wondering, did you ever think about Shmir doing a thing for Shmir? So I was like, maybe a Mahsun Lafi? He says, let me tell you a funny story that happened. He said, we, we were talking at home about maybe doing a Mahsun Lafi and my 12-year-old son was there. And so my 12-year-old son said, what's a Mahsun Lafi? I never heard of it. He says, that's where you don't speak Lashonar for two hours a day. And he said, what? You don't speak, you don't want to speak Lashonar anytime. What do you, what do you mean you don't speak? Because a child is so innocent that they got really what Shemir Salashan is. Nebuch, for us adults, we have to take baby steps. And this is an amazing baby step. Let's read, I'm going to read it in English, the tefillah of the Chafetz Chaim. Master of the universe. May it be your will, compassionate and gracious God, that you grant us the merit today and every day to guard our mouth and tongue from speaking Lashonar and Rechilis. And may we be zealous not to speak ill of an individual, and certainly not of the entire Jewish people or a portion of it, and even more so, may we be zealous not to complain about the ways of Hashem. May we, may we be zealous not to speak words of falsehood, flattery, strife, anger, arrogance, hurt, embarrassment, mockery, and all other forms of forbidden speech. You know what the Shabbos table Masa Lafi is? I'm getting together with my family. I'm saying, We're getting together at this table to honor you. Please, please help us so we should honor your children as well. Because in the end, it's all about how you treat Hashem's children. When Dr. Christian Bernard discovered or innovated the idea of a heart transplant, the whole, I still remember this, I was a kid, the whole world went crazy. And from me, you didn't need to know, are you allowed to do it or not? And who did they get asked, of course? They went to Rav Moshe. So Rav Moshe, they decided that they're going to get a doctor who was on the transplantation team to meet with Rav Moshe, and he's going to tell him what, what, what the story is, like how they do it, so Rav Moshe Kapaskin. 
So he comes, the Ramesha made up that they're gonna, he's, they're, he's gonna come to the, to the, to, to, to MTJ, to the yeshiva, and he's gonna meet him there. The doctor comes, he's a from guy, and Ramesha says, ah, you know what, it's so noisy here. People are like, you know, keep on asking me questions. Let's go to my apartment. It's gonna be quiet there, nobody's gonna bother us. So the doctor and Ramesha go to Ramesha's apartment. They get into his building, you know, everybody knows the building on the Lower East Side, and the doctor walks in, he presses the elevator button, the elevator comes down, and Rav Moshe doesn't go into the elevator. He says, Rashiva, the elevator's here. He says, I can't go in. He says, why not? He says, you know why? Because there's an eight-year-old girl, she's walking around here, she's unsupervised, I can't see a from eight eight-year-old girl in, 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 in walking around, a little girl walking around in this lobby, it's not safe. So, so, uh, so we have to wait until somebody gets her. So the doctor says, Rashiva, why don't you just knock on her parents' door? He says, I can't do that. He says, why not? He says, because she doesn't have parents, she only has a mother. And if I knock on the door, right, so the mother's gonna, and I'm gonna, the, mo uh, the mother's gonna open up the door, she's gonna see me, the mother is gonna think to herself, oi, she's gonna, she's gonna, it's gonna be such a disrespect to her. She's gonna say, oi, the Rashiva thinks that I don't take care of my daughter, she's running around wild. For the honor of this woman, I can't do it. We have to wait. And the Rosh Hashiva waited until somebody came to get that little girl. Now let's just think about who Rav Moshe was. He's Rav Moshe Feinstein, the God of Lador. He's on his way to Paskin, a life and death issue. The Gans Klayasol wants to know what the answer is. He says, stop. For the honor of one Jewish woman, I'm not going to answer that Shiloh. I'm waiting right here in the lobby. That's how you have to honor a Jew. When I speak Lashon Hara, I take a person, I take their honor, I put it on the floor, and I crush that honor like a chassan crushes a cup under the chuppah. And so now, 72 hours, we're all going into court, and I wouldn't worry about that fly who's going to ignore you. That's the smallest of your problems. Because we've already established that everything is on the line in 72 hours from now. And yet, with Shmir Salashim, the Rebbein Shalom is going to defend us. Mida Keneged Mida. Incredible. So I would say, just putting it out there, that it would be prudent to sign up for the Masam Lafi. It's free. My son Aryeh here has a bunch of these. All you got to do is you put your name down and your phone number, your email address, and you get this for free, and you put it on your Shabbos table, this Shabbos, and you, and you start working and doing something that amazingly is proven. There's 40, I think there's 40, uh, uh, 400 families that have already joined this program, and we're getting fantastic results. By the way, another incredible thing besides this is to learn the halachas daily, and wonder of wonders, the new cycle starts on Rosh Hashanah in three days from now. And if you go to powerofspeech.org, you could sign up for the Shabbos table, Masam Lafi, and you could get free emails that are going to come right into your inbox, and you could learn. So let me finish with a story. This happened a number of years ago in Orsameach here. I was, uh, we did, a, Chavetz Chaim did, a, did an event, and uh, I'm walking out of the event, and this guy comes over to me, and he says, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And he says, you know, I gotta tell you something that happened to my wife. He says, you know, my wife was on the phone. We'll call his wife Miriam. 
and he, she was on the phone, we'll call the person she was on the phone with, Mrs. A. And she's on the phone with her, and then Mrs. A gets, gets a call waiting, and she says to Miriam, she says, oh, you know what, somebody's calling me, I gotta go, and she hangs up. Now what she thought she did, was she thought she hit flash, that actually killed the first call and took the second call. But she didn't do that. She hit conference. And you know, Miriam didn't hang up the phone very quickly. And this is what Miriam heard. Mrs. A says to Mrs. B, she says, oh yeah, I was just talking to Miriam. Miriam, ah, she's a witch. And they, both of them get into this Miriam bashing conversation that's unbelievable and Miriam is listening on this phone call so he came to me and he said like my wife is only smensch she doesn't know where to put herself can you imagine listening blow by blow as two people tear you apart like the lions used to tear the people apart in the Colosseum like 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 she she doesn't know what to do what should, give me advice but imagine if it was even worse Imagine if Mrs. A wasn't talking to Miriam. She was talking to Miriam's father. And then Miriam's father was conferenced in, and he didn't hang up right away. And then he heard this whole thing about two people bashing his daughter, how much tsar he would have. But imagine just one more thing, that as Mrs. A is talking to Mrs. B, she glances at the phone, and to her unbelievable horror, she realizes her mistake while she's on the call. And she thinks to herself, oh my gosh, I'm on conference, I'm not, I didn't flash. She says, oh, okay, for sure Miriam hung up. I mean, we were hanging up, so for sure she hung up, but it probably went to her answering machine. When she comes home the next time she listens to her answering machine, she's going to hear this in terrible Lashonara. In 72 hours from now, anybody who's spoken Lashon Hara in the last 12 months put it on Hashem's answering machine in Shemayim. And part of the, the deal on Rosh Hashanah is, is that every word that we said for 12 months gets inspected. And every answering machine gets listened to. And now in 72 hours from now, the Rebbe is going to listen to the, those answering machines and he's going to hear how we trashed his children. Wow. That's unbelievable. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to do tshuva. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go into Shamayim and we're going to take the, that answering machine and we're going to throw it into the deepest part of the ocean. You know why? Because the Rebbe loves us so much, he allows us to do tshuva. If we take one step, Take this card and put it on your Shabbos table and say the tefillah and learn two minutes of Shmir Saloshin. You're going to be able to do tshuva on, on whatever was done. You're going to be able to take powerful steps. You're going to teach yourself that you can be a person like Hashem promised that doesn't speak Loshin Hara. Imagine this Sunday night you fall asleep and you have the following dream. You're sleeping, and suddenly you're in court. This is court, and based in Shammai, like, now we try to imagine it. In your dream, you're in court. And, but you're not in the regular courtroom. You're in, you're, in a, you're in a pre-trial room on the side, and as you're standing there trying to figure out what's going on, the special prosecutor for Rosh Hashanah comes in, 
And on the wall, you're looking around and you see it says plea bargaining. You say, I didn't know you could plea bargain on Rosh Hashanah. This is a pretty good thing. And this is what the prosecutor tells you. He says, Mr. X, I can't explain it, but the judges decide to represent you in court. You want to take the deal? All you got to do is not speak bad about people. So what do you think? I'd like to ask each one of you, what do you think? Would you take such a deal? You're in court. Hashem is going to protect you. He's going to be your defense attorney. Or are you going to take the deal? We could rely on Hashem that we could do it. We could live exalted lives of not speaking Lashon Hara. And this is a proven and tangible step that you could do. Tear the rope that's holding you back from bracha. Tear the rope that's holding you back from Hashem being your defender. Tear the rope because you could do it. Thank you.